Hello, everybody. I am here with you with my good friend, Eva. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so long-term Angry Aussie viewers will remember, Eva, we made heaps and heaps of videos talking about relationships, life, love, sex, all those good things. All the fun things. Uh, and then Eva ran away to Queensland. Yes, Eva regrets running away to Queensland, <laughs> but Eva is stuck here in Queensland, so hello via video. <laughs> but it, it, it took us way too long to just twig, oh, we have internet technology. I we know. Stuff. We're very terrible at this. I'm so technophobic that I, I'm not good at this stuff, and I'm like, well, now that I'm here in, in redneck isolation, I guess that's my life over, <laughs> and I forget about the sort of, <laughs> Stuff that we can do via internets and and you know whiz bang technology of the future yeah so uh we thought we'd get together again because we missed doing it and uh, among many other exciting things since eva last appeared uh on the angry Aussie youtube channel published a book i did oh my gosh that's one of the best things actually about moving to redneck isolation is i had a lot of time on my own to finish this book that I'd been writing all the time that we had been chatting and doing our videos. I'd been writing this book while I was at uni um, and I finally got it finished about two years ago and it's done and it's great. And hang on, let me show you. It's here and shiny and has pages and pictures and it's really exciting. Um, just put it up there. Hang on. Oh, I'm so bad yeah. at technology. Up is down and down is up. There we go. <laughs> and for people uh, listening to audio only, it's called the Teen Girls, the Eighteen Girl Guide to Getting On. That's not even a tongue twister. Why couldn't I say it? A Teen Girl's Guide to Getting Off. <laughs> There's a bit of in window there about tongue twisting um, as well. I think, but. Yeah, there is. Look, there's a chapter about tongue stuff in there, so you know you're yeah. <laughs> you're not totally wrong. What what I love about the whole angle with writing the book is, is a thing of having conversations with you and others over the year that the overwhelming majority of school based sex education is shit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like you know, you get these little pockets of these fantastic teachers that are sort of defying the the curriculum or defying the the community kind of outcry and do some fantastic things. But it's very rare, and and that's mainly in places like Victoria, where you do have rather progressive government, and most um, of the school programs are sort of set up for inclusion and things like that. Whereas up here in Queensland, we don't even have a standardised curriculum for sex education in Queensland. So there's so if you don't want to teach it you don't have to teach it and so and a lot of people don't really want to teach it or it's sort of pushed aside to a science class for biology or maybe a sort of you know your care classes in a, in a little bit to do with you know STIs or just say no or you know condom education but really there's a real huge lack um, even in Victoria um, there's a huge lack of certain uh, conversations that are having being had in sex education and I decided to start those conversations because I think they're important. Yeah, and because honestly, I feel like in the vast majority of jurisdictions around the world, if in a school setting you gave uh, teenagers actual, real, useful, literal, factual, sexual advice, you'd end up in jail. 
Yeah, look, you really can because, I mean, there are certain things, I mean, even just the way that we we describe women and women's bodies, for example, have become, it's become eroticised and sexualised. So just saying the word vulva is is almost pornographic in some places where it's not. It's as pornographic as your elbow. It's just a body bit. And so the fact that certain language and certain anatomical factual scientific language is deemed obscene means that it's really tricky just for some science teacher even just to talk about reproduction and penises and vaginas and ovum and testicles can get the wrath of the church community or the sort of conservative community coming down on them for them teaching obscenity to children um and I'm not even talking about young kids I mean I think young kids should be having these lessons as well but when I talk about teenage sex education People get very twisted about it, you know, um, all about me trying to teach children about pornography. And I'm like, firstly, I'm not talking about children in that sense of, say, under 12 or 13. And secondly, these kids that I'm talking about, you're 13 and up, they've already seen porn. They've already, uh, you know, understand that there's shit out there that, that they can find that's boobs and butts and stuff that can be so confronting. And yet we're not allowed to teach them or talk to them about it for fear of, warping them and unfortunately that's warping them even more because they have no tools to sort of understand what what it is they're coming across uh it's really tricky it's really tricky and and so a lot of schools have their out of hours programs or opt-in sex education classes which i think are great and a lot of those have outside sex education um companies that come in and teach but the problem i find with that is with opt-in stuff the kids that are going to get that permission from their parents are probably the kids that probably don't necessarily need that education because their parents are open-minded enough to kind of understand it's needed. So they're probably getting quite good information at home or their parents are sourcing good information for them anyway. And the kids that really need it, they're, they're not going to be um, allowed to sort of have that information given to them. So that's why I believe it needs to be part of that actual school curriculum so that, you know, just like we don't all want to learn trigonometry, but we bloody have to, same with sex education. You know, it's just it should be it should be standard. Yeah, and that um a prudery for want of a better word, people saying <laughs> don't say sex words to kids. You think the kids aren't getting that like constantly? Yeah, they already are. I mean, I get letters from teenagers from around so the age of you know, I haven't had many much stuff from under twelve or thirteen, although I get parents messaging me of kids that age but a lot of the questions I get from young women and men that are sort of in their sort of you know mid-teens 15 16-ish are ones that are either really simple to to answer um just with with actual language you know things like young women not understanding they've got two holes down there and I've been asked numerous times if when you've got your period do you need to take a tampon out to pee and things like that because I just don't understand the way anatomy works and at first I thought the first time I got this question I thought is this a joke you know surely but I've had so many of that similar event that I think no it's actually a lack of education from even just you know you you talk about with babies with nappies just saying I'm going to wipe your vulva now is such a easy way to introduce anatomical language that's that's normal into a into a routine and into a language so that by the time they're 15 or 16 and you're learning about sex just saying the word vulva isn't going to explode the class into titters and and have them ignoring the rest of it because they've already understand that language and they already and they and the information moves on as they get older um and yeah they i the the lack of knowledge from young men and women about bodies and what bodies are capable of in all senses, apart from reproduction, um, 
it's 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 depressing and and it makes me angry as well because I see so many young kids getting out there getting hurt in so many different ways whether it's physically emotionally um, you know and a mixture of the two where they're not getting the information to allow them to make the right proper choices um, it's it's sad and I, and I think we're doing a real disservice to our young people and I love that your book title is really simple and direct and to some people incredibly yeah. confrontational. Oh, it is. You know, look, I haven't had too much real bad stuff. I had this one, um, it was actually a comment on an article that I write for, in, in, in the stuff that I write for more adults on the Adult Matchmaker blog, but I used the term getting off in that. And this one woman got so angry at me that women don't get off and women don't have rocks to get off. And I'd said something about getting your rocks off. And I was like, what do you mean? We all have rocks to get off. And, you know, the comments under hers were mostly quite positive with people sort of going, um, I'm a woman and I get off all the time, you know. But it's this weird kind of, you know, we 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 don't allow the same sexual language we allow to give to boys to young women. We don't like talking about horny and getting off and wanking and all that sort of stuff, whereas boys are given a slightly bit more permission to have that kind of conversation. And, and so that's what I wanted to change is that there's no difference in boys and girls and everything in between in that sexuality side. We're all creatures of pleasure and we're all have the ability to, if we want to, to create that pleasure and find that pleasure within ourselves and with other people. Um, and the lessons should be equal. And so I'm trying to level that playing field um, to let young women know that, you know, their their sexual pleasure is just as important as the pleasure of their partner. Um, and so much of the time they're not given that that permission and that, that lesson. Yeah, which is great. Look, and as this is a slight technical note, I guess, about us recording this, it is going live on YouTube. And normally when I do uh, live streams on YouTube, I interact extensively with people in the chat. We're not so much doing this because Eva can't actually see the chat. Yeah. Um, but I did talk with Eva about this before we started. And I said, if anyone uh, makes any particularly pertinent uh, comments, uh, or asks good questions, I will throw them into the mix. So uh, the people who are regularly on the live stream, um, don't feel hurt and heartbroken that I'm not addressing everything you put in chat. Uh, and I say that as a leading, Megaleach asked an incredibly good question. I like this one. Uh, do you have any plans or have you considered uh, recording your book as an audiobook uh, for the various platforms online? Yeah, I have. And it's something I'd like to do. Um, one of the things I'm working on at the moment very slowly um, is updating the book. So it's um, so I can release it as a new edition with a lot more information in it for boys. Uh, because a lot of people have asked me, are you going to write a book for boys? You know, And I felt a little bit odd about doing that, partly because a lot of the book itself is from personal lived experience and the experience of being a teenage girl as and growing into a and into a woman and all that sort of stuff um and i don't like often speaking from experiences that i haven't personally lived i think that there are other voices out there um but i what i have noticed is i'm getting a lot of letters from young boys who have read it saying this has been really great and from parents of boys who have read it saying oh could you update it a little bit to have a bit more stuff about penises and a bit more stuff about boys puberty so what I'm going to do is sort of work with some people I know and and add some stuff to the book um, to to make it a bit more um, boy centric um, and have a bit more of that sort of stuff with it and then also change a lot of the information so I can make it a bit more um, international because most of the information in it is very Australian um, all of the your clinics and your doctors and your laws and all that and I'd like to kind of make it a bit more holistic um, 
so what was the what was the actual question? I go. <laughs> the question was just about making an audiobook. Uh... Oh right, yes. Um, and so that's right. And so with that, I'd like to take this the new edition that I'm doing and and do some video recordings and some audio recordings because I do work with um, a lot of people with disabilities as well, and I know a lot of the vision impaired people would like a bit more of a sort of you know the the, the ebook is is good if you've got the e readers and the and you've got the vision impairment that you can still see when you raise text big and all that. But if you've got, you know, a, a much stronger impairment that you can't see much at all, I'd like to be able to get that information out there to, mm -hmm. to people of all abilities. So, yes, yes, I would love to do an audio book. I don't know if I'd read it, um, but I would get somebody to, yeah, with a better voice than mine. <laughs> well, I think you'll find a lot of people liking your voice around the world. But I was thinking that essentially like, well, when you a book about uh, sex and sexuality, and uh, uh, particularly aimed at the, the current edition aimed at teen girls, striking a balance between uh, I'm going to sound clinical, I'm going to yeah. sound friendly, sound a little bit sexy when I I think I found the balance in the writing, you know, um, because I write very similar to how I speak. So there's a lot of fuck and there's a lot of shit and there's a lot of slang Aussie-isms through it because I'm a bit ochre and a bit bogan and I and I don't feel like I would be as um what's the word as as um, believable as me writing in a different kind of style people who know me and who know my style can pick up words articles that I've written that don't have my name on it they'll send it to me go did you write this this sounds like you so I wanted to have that voice of kind of a bit like the cool older cousin at the sleepover that tells you all the stuff that your mum's not going to tell you, you know, like um, I don't want to come off as a know-it-all and I don't want to come off as, you know, the embarrassing mother, which I tell you my daughter really doesn't want to read my book. I'm the embarrassing mother. She's like, no, don't need to know, mum. But, you know, I think, and that's something that I get a lot of um, of the positive feedback about is the language in it, is the fact that it's really accessible to both parents and teenagers and, and I've had some really great feedback, things on Twitter that people have said, oh, it's not too cringy and, oh, I don't feel embarrassed reading this. And to me, from a 15-year-old, to have something that's written by an adult to you that's not too cringy about sex, I think that's the highest praise I could I could really get from, um, from young people. So, yeah, I try and keep the language quite, um, you know, look, I thought I was cool until I started talking to young people. I'm not as cool or as hip as I thought I actually was. So there's probably a lot of 90s slang in there that I think is really gnarly and rad and the kids just look at and go, um, yeah, nah. But, you know, I've, I've had some good <laughs> some, some good responses to the way it's written. You just remind me a little while ago uh, an, a Netflix series came out that was basically a teen boy whose mum's a sex advice uh, writer and how cringe he finds it and you're posting <laughs> how your daughter's like I'm not watching that show that's just my life yeah yeah that's right it's a little bit like the in that sex education show with um um Gillian um Anderson and yeah. and she's um you know her son sort of takes her advice and then takes it off to his school and becomes a school and I'm like why don't you do that to my girl and she's like nah. she's not like me at all she's very um insular and and quite sort of quiet and doesn't want to be the center of attention so she's I don't think any of her you know apart from her immediate friends I don't think most of her group or, or her school know much about me except for the crazy mum with blue hair that comes in every so often to pick her up I think um and I've sort of you know and I respect that and I and as much as I think that the kids in her class would benefit from from certain things I'm I've sort of 
made sort of allowances for her high school and said, I'll, I'll stay away if, if you prefer me to, because, it, you know, it just can be embarrassing when your mum's the teacher and especially the teacher of something of this sort of nature. <laughs> yeah, it was always the thing if your parent got invited into school because they were an expert on something. Yeah. You've got to present to the class. Other people may well find it good, fascinating, but you as the child are going, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, bring your parent to work day or to school day. Just is probably never going to happen with her. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I know she loves me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just there's home and there's school. Please don't. Yeah, that's mind. right. That's right. And we have great conversations and she's very politically minded and feminist minded and understanding of sort of, you know, sex positivity and sexual freedoms and the freedoms of everything. And she's very... um you know, activist in her sort of own way when it comes to politics and, and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, I'm quite proud of the of the little teenager I'm raising. I think she's doing a great job. But, yeah, she's nothing like me and sex is probably the furthest thing from her mind, um, which, you know, I'm okay with as well. It's up to her, whatever she wants to do. But I know that if she did have any questions, she would, she would come to me or she'd sort of sneak a peek through the book that she's got. So, yeah, whether she's read it or not, I don't know. <laughs> she's, she's never told me she has. I asked her once, she said, Mum, you're the talking book. I don't need it. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, reminded, uh, we were talking about, you know, using uh, simple descriptive language about sex and your body parts and whatnot, uh, because everyone trying to do innocent stuff with kids can have weird backfires. My own kids used to refer to their pee-pee when they were little, which is not that uncommon. The funniest permutation of that we were getting fish and chips once and they were both quite young they were oh, still under we've got 10. This one of our other videos. i remember you telling me yeah we talked about this. <laughs> australian fish and chip shops often have this poster on the wall of various fish that's used as seafood and um there's a small shellfish in australia called the pippi and um they were pointing at very because they couldn't read that well and they're pointing at various fish and you know, what's that that's a tuna what's that that's a shark. And they pointed, and then what's that? And I said, that's a pippy. And they both just got the snort giggles and went, it's a what? <laughs> and I realized what they were doing. And I went, it's a pippy. And they laughed hysterically. And then for the next 10 minutes while we're waiting for fish and chips, this joke never got bored with them. They just randomly go, oh, what's that? It's an eel. <laughs> um, what's that? It's a bass. And what's that it's a people and then they just laugh hysterically and everyone else is looking at them going why do those kids find shellfish so funny yes. and i think you know in the in the video we did oh years and years ago where you told that story we were talking about foundation language of words and mm. that you know we told i was telling the story about the little girl that called her um vulva or vagina a koala bear uh, because that's what she'd been told and got in and got into all sorts of well she didn't get to strife but there was strife that came when she told a teacher that a young boy was trying to play with her koala bear and the teacher had told her well it's nice to share your things you know as we you know that's what we do as you know and you know and when it all finally kind of came out the, the it was it was not good um and where we we talk about that foundation language pee pee wee wee i don't have a problem with those sort of words for it because they are they're commonly known a lot of kids can't say so you know gina is what most young girls will call a vagina because they just can't get the whole word out sort of thing so you know i don't i don't think there's a problem with that um and i also think you know that silliness about genitals can it's it can be fun, you know, and I don't think, you know, we can all laugh at stuff like that. I think it's when it becomes rude in a 
um, in a punishable way, if that makes sense, in a shaming way, you know. It's like I, I sort of one of the things that I say a lot and I, and I, you know, is that when we match pleasure and shame, bad things happen because it's you can't reconcile that. How does your brain reconcile? Something feels really, really good, but I'm told it's bad and dirty and naughty and awful and I'll go to hell or I'll get in trouble or I'll, you know, set my or whatever it is that the punishment is told that when you, you know, find these pleasurable parts of your body. Whereas pleasure can also be silly. So I don't have these problems with laughing at pee-pees and wee-wees and all that. So as long as it's still, it's got that lightness to it and nothing that it's it's rude or shameful, I think we can we can change our language around that into changing things from rude to private, which changes the whole connotation completely. Private is, is still okay. It's just for you. It's just for bedrooms. It's just for bathrooms. It's like going to the toilet. It's like those sort of things. Whereas rude then takes on a position of shame or a position of, um, bad badness, um, and I and I think that you know once we start changing little things like that, it's like a snowball effect. You you can really change, you know, you can move mountains when you get that small thing happening. Um, and I think we're starting to with say for example the word vulva is becoming so much more common just to be said on news on discussion talks in on memes on everything and we're starting to you know when I was at school we all knew it as a vagina and we we were learning to use that word without snickering but vulva was not a word we used in the 90s and so I it took me a long time to start using that word and not use vagina to to describe the whole bits and I'm a sex educator and a sex worker and a sex 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 person and I still found it up until sort of my mid-30s vulva was a word that I felt a bit weird about because that was my foundation of the word now I'm um, everything's vulva and testicles and penis and shaft and I can use all the bits but you know I've sort of trained myself into it so if we can just start using these small words as just as easily as you say nostril or earlobe or nipple or any word you know we can start taking away that stigma of the word which then allows us to start being a bit more mature in our education about all body bits and all sexual things yeah, because an important part of that, I think, is if you talk to people who work with victims of abuse, they'll tell you the pattern of behaviour of abusers and predators is to isolate kids and use that shame thing as leverage. And also secrets. Yeah. Yes, keep secrets. Telling kids to keep secrets. Um, and with a lot of what these predators do when they're grooming kids is I'm going to let you in on secrets. Your parents never told you. This oh, you've stuff. gone fuzzy. We've gone fuzzy. That's yeah, just pause for a second. That's all good now. You're back. Yeah, yeah. The the joys of live streaming. Every now and then the really crap Australian internet goes um bye-bye. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I've but got a friend saying Australia from America at the moment and oh my God, her posts about Australian internet. It makes me realise just how shit it really is. She's just like, what the fuck, Australia? You see, we can talk about things other than sex. We can mention Australia's internet is shit. Like we're ranked 80th in the world or something. It's ridiculous. And we're going backwards. We get worse by comparison to the rest of the world every year. It's ridiculous. It's it's embarrassing. I just, oh, yeah. At least my house Wi-Fi is good. If I wasn't using my house Wi-Fi, we wouldn't be on this at all. Well, look, maybe... um, when 5G comes out, we can all do it on mobile devices. And um, <laughs> as it's the paranoid people, like, okay, I think everyone, 
justifiably asks questions about, oh, do these wireless devices cause health issues? And the overwhelming scientific consensus is they don't. But people are going super paranoid about 5G. I don't know if you've seen it. No, um, no. But I spend a lot of time in tech sort of circles. I got, I got it in Burke Street Mall yesterday. I was in town with some people. And there's this protest of these wackos with stop 5G, you know, poisoning <laughs> our brains. And it's just like, wow, okay, good on you. Yeah. Look, people have to find something to protest about and the new is scary and the scary is good to, you know, create yeah. fear. And I, I don't I don't get it. I, you know, and I, in, in some ways I'm like, you know what, I, I'm, I smoke and I know what how bad cigarettes are. So, and I still do that. So I'd probably, even if it was, you know, it's going to turn your ear into a green mutant, I'd be like, well, you know, match my hair. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of that sort of fear of, you know, I have a healthy respect for it, but at the same time I'm a complete hedonist and I believe in pleasure first and if it kills me, well, you know, I'll go out with a smile on my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't do this at home, kids. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, you know, the introduction of a, well, you know, that uh, sex toy that's on the end of the chainsaw looks a bit overpowered, yeah. but... If anything goes wrong, I'll go out with a smile on my face. Oh, you know, within reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty actually with sex toys. I've, I've taken great because I've read too many horror stories about dangerous sex toy materials and, and people getting their bits, you know, mangled and ruined in certain devices. And I'm, so I'm, I'm quite a, um, I'm, I'm quite militant when it comes to sex toys. Actually, other everything. Else, else I'm like ah take the drugs smoke the weed do the whatever but no only use silicon and only use certain brands and I'm, I'm quite yeah but I think your bits are really really important and and if you break them you're um you're in a world of hurt <laughs> and and that's 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 another good topic to talk about actually because that's something you have written about a lot the relative mm -hmm. quality of different sex mm -hmm. toys um because and this is I think another communication and don't get sucked into the shame idea thing because in so many circles the idea of openly acknowledging the use of sex toys is uh, a bad thing um, yeah. leads to people being at much higher risk of using products that they seriously shouldn't use and you know though it's really interesting is that 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 shame swaps male and female depending on whether you're using a device it's really interesting so women and girls are often more accepted if they masturbate with a toy. Vibrators, conversations about vibrators and bullets and all that sort of stuff are a lot more open than just girls talking about wanking with their hands. Whereas with boys and men and that sort of thing, it's all, if you have to use a device, you're not a man enough. And oh, we don't, fleshlight, well, I use my hand, I've got a pussy, I've got a rah, 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 you know, all this sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of, this odd um, swap over I find in conversations about sex toy use is that, yeah, it seems to be far more accepting or far more less, um, you know, shameful for women to use sex toys than it is for men. But overall masturbation, it's better, you know, there's more shame put on women than men. It's it's weird because I do write a lot about sex toys and, and working in adult shops as well, noticing the difference in how men ask for sex toys and how women do. And men often come in with excuses. Oh, it's not that I really need it. It's not that I, da, 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 da. I just, you know, I. 
but we're having the occasional dropout with the I want to uh, try cocking, but oh, I like don't need to difference there, and that's one thing I find. Um, it's similar to porn where women are paid more and given a lot more sort of, you know, um, respect and all that sort of stuff in porn circles uh, than men are. Um, you know, it's one little thing in sex that's shifted, which I, which is, is interesting to me. I, I think there's no shame in using a sex toy, no matter your gender or the bits that you're using it with. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something I've noticed over the sort of 20 years I've been in and out of shops. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it is interesting when you go like, okay, we look at society and 99% of things favour men and uh, are validated if men do them and invalidated yeah. if it's something. Those aspects of sexuality are one of the things that tend to work in women's favour. Yeah, yeah. And, look, it's probably a similar to do with the whole idea, you know, like how lesbians are a bit more accepted than gay people because it turns men on or whatever. And I think that might be part of it, whereas if, like, men will see a woman, woman using a sex toy as kind of a performance for him as a, rather than anything for her, which I think is, you know, I mean, and it's bullshit and it's not, it's definitely for her, but I think that mindset probably has a bit to do with it, whereas men wanking with a device it's not as performative for women. I mean, I, I I quite enjoy watching it. That's but that's me, and it's and I think, and we haven't had that. Oh, you know, and a lot of women do actually. You know, it's not that I'm saying it's just me because I'm weird. I'm just. It's more that that's become the accepted thing. You watch women play with toys, and men fuck, but they masturbate in private. And I and I think that's you know, it's still so it still falls into that whole sexist, misogynistic, patriarchal kind of thing, but it kind of favours women's pleasure. So, you know, I'll I'll um I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> or at least I won't be too too shitty at it because I think, you know, when it comes to women's pleasure, so much of it is quashed and, and put aside and, and made out to be, you know, a, a lie or, or something shameful. Um and, and women are only having sex because it pleases men rather than the fact that it's for them um, yeah and that's you know going back circle to the book that's part of partly what my whole shtick in the book is about is that sex is not something that is done to you as a as a girl or a woman sex is something you are a part of um, and so changing that language and changing the understanding of pleasure and what sex is supposed to feel like for you it's yes you can it's a mutual experience but so much of this time we we, we look at men's pleasure and men's orgasms and men's ejaculation being the end of sex. Um, and I, I, I disagree with that. I think that, you know, it's, it's a satisfaction for both parties and, and we need to give that, that permission back to young women and that knowledge back to young women that it is and it's possible and that it's, you know, that you've, you're full of pleasure receptacles and, and enjoyment and, and, and all this great stuff and until you learn how to find that and explore it and experience it, you're you're never going to have great sex and great sex with a partner because you're never going to understand what your body is capable of itself. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. on one level I find it wild we're still having this conversation. I mean, you know, the Kama Sutra was written however many hundred years ago. Some hippie wrote The Joy of Sex yeah. in the 70s. Like two two AD or two BC or something. I was just writing about it the other day. The number two came into it. So it's, it's ancient. It is so so old. And it's yeah. Focus is on both pleasure of both or all participants of the encounter. Mm. And yet, it, some people still regard it as a radical thing. You've written a book that's specifically about understanding the pleasure side 
of sex. And as you say, it's something you do, yeah. not something that's done to you. Um, and for a lot of people, that's still a radical thing to say. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and it's like, you know, the the main arguments that I've had, and, and there haven't been many, and I haven't had a single bad review, which is good. It might just be that nobody's reading it, that's bad. But I think mainly I, I did a thing on... Um, on SBS a while ago, actually, on the feed, and we're talking about talking to young people about pornography. And the one, I got this Christian website wrote an article about it, um, about how this awful, crazy woman was trying to show children pornography and give give young people vibrators. Um, and, and that was, you know, going back to earlier when I was saying how people misuse the word children when I'm talking about sex and porn. Um, they very made very much made it out to sound like I was trying to show gaping anal porn to six-year-olds or something like that, which, I, which I'm really not. I don't even think you need to necessarily show pornography to be able to teach about it. I don't, I, you know, um, and, and I say that very specifically, but they kind of brushed over a lot of that stuff. Um, and they all basically reckon that I'm just going to turn girls into sluts. Um, and I'm like, well, A, no, because I don't believe that slut A is a bad thing and that it's, you know, but B, they're already out there doing everything that you're telling me I'm going to be sending them out there to do. They're already out there having sex, having oral sex, experimenting with, you know, threesomes and all sorts of stuff because these are the messages they're getting from their Tumblr blogs and from their porn hubs and from all of this stuff that they see without any other proper sex education to go with it. Um, and I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to encourage them to do anything other than be safe in the things they're already doing and to enjoy themselves in the things they're already doing because I, you're not going to stop young people having sex. The same way you're ne never going to stop women having abortions and you're never going to stop these things from happening. Well, all you will do with banning these things is stop the safe practices of them. And so people will die, people will get sick, people will be assaulted and not understand where they're, you know, and people will assault, you know. This is this is a conversation I have a lot of the time with the young men and, and people, parents of young men, is that a lot of these guys, especially, you know, we've we've talked about this as, as well, we're coming into the, the Me Too, all this sort of stuff, is young men are not getting the lessons that they need to get in order to be able to understand what informed consent is, you know. So we're we're teaching all these young women stuff, and this is another reason I want to add stuff for boys into the book, is that, you know, my I, I talked to, to my daughter about the lessons they get, and they get these great lessons on empowerment and Photoshop and the difference between reality and unreality and beauty and all this sort of stuff. And I said, oh, that's great. What what less, what are the boys doing? And she said, oh, I think they go to the library for mm -hmm. that period. And I'm like, well, hang on. You can't teach one half of a lesson, you know. We can teach women and girls empowerment and all that as much as we want. But if we're not also teaching the respect lesson to young men, then, then it's not going to go anywhere and we're still going to get into all these problems. So young men who are not really quite understanding what consent is and they are with a young woman and they're like, oh, let's do this, and she's like, oh, oh, and he's like, no, come on, come on, let's do it, and she's like, oh, okay, not realising that that's actually coercion and that's actually not informed consent. But they think they've got it because they got a kind of yes and they mm. were told wait for a yes. They haven't actually been told to look at the signs for what a no actually is. They think to themselves... Mm. No means no, which is a great lesson, but we need to be teaching only yes means yes and enthusiastic yeses, not a coerced yes, not a uninformed, oh, maybe, I don't know, oh, yeah. uh, and not realising that if you stop 
you know, a lot of people are like, well, what if she actually meant yes and I stop? Well, good, good on you because A, she'll probably go, no, no, keep going, I didn't mean stop. And B, it shows how trustworthy and wonderfully in tune you are to consent. So stopping, the, the worst thing that might happen if you stop an activity is you don't get to finish the activity. That's the worst thing that will happen. There are some really bad things that will happen if you don't stop an activity that you should have probably stopped. You know, things like, you know, in the... On on the grand scale, you could be accused of assault or a bunch of other things that come down to it, you know, in, in all of the other sort of um, stuff that can happen when, when sex goes wrong. Um, and so these lessons in, in informed, enthusiastic consent, people get really offended when I say that as well. I've written so many articles about informed consent where men get very cross that I'm telling them that they can't have sex anymore. And I don't get that because I'm, I'm not telling you, why would you want to have sex with someone who doesn't necessarily want to have sex with you? What If it's just about getting your end wet and getting off, go have a wank, go buy a flashlight, go and do something like that because there is a whole other person involved in your decision-making when it comes to sex. It's not just about your rocks and just about your pleasure. And, and so this, this idea that I'm kind of withholding their grand, you know, orgasm because I've told them to wait for somebody to say enthusiastically let yes I, I think you guys shouldn't be having sex in the first place and go yeah go and buy yourself a wanking device because you you won't be able to upset that as long as you wash it yeah well that's that's the look, sorry you just reminded me of one of my favorite jokes you get these really quite disturbing chaps on the internet varieties of incels whatever who are convinced sex robots will um make women superfluous and you're gonna have to oh, clean yeah. sex robots guys and um your, <laughs> your your daddy figure jordan peterson's gonna have to get a bit more explicit than tidy up your bedroom it's like um uh no you're gonna have to do some serious cleaning on your fuck box oh can you imagine the inside of those dolls i just <laughs> there would be entire ecosystems evolving in there like oh when they talk about how sex robots are going to rise up and kill, you know, kill us all, I reckon it'll be more the whatever's evolving inside that turns yeah. into this alien-esque kind of, ah. No, mm -hmm. I, this, this idea that sex toys will make sex obsolete. I mean, this is the argument you get a lot from men who, are, who don't like their girlfriends playing with vibrators or dildos or whatever. Oh, it's replacing me. And it's like... I've, I feel sorry to ha for them to have that kind of insecurity that they think a little lump of plastic is going to overtake everything else they can bring to the relationship. To me, I'm like, if the only part of the relationship, if you, the only thing you're bringing to a relationship is your penis, then that's a shit relationship and she's better off with a vibrator. Like, I don't understand these men that really seem to think that all that they are worth in a relationship, and that's bad for them as well because they're worth so much more in a relationship. This is not just saying, oh, men are shit because they think this. I think men are getting really bad lessons a lot of the way about sex and relationships and what their role as the partner in a relationship is, you know. It's like it's a partnership and sex is only one small part of that and it's mutual and it should always be mutual. And if you think that you're losing out on sex, for whatever reason, then look at look within yourself as to why that might be, rather than at anything that somebody else is doing. That's my advice yeah. for the day. <laughs> I think you hit on a really good point there in the degree to which men lose out in these ridiculous, outdated, conservative, patriarchal ideas. Yeah, of, they really do. And 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 the guys get so defensive, as you said, like, how dare you? Do, like, dude, honestly. 
it will be better if you grow the fuck out of this mentality. This is, this is for your benefit because, you know, not only will you still be having sexy sex that you want, but you'll also be having great conversations and great companionship and great laughter and great all of the stuff that comes with it. Honestly, sex is such a, you know, and, and sex as well being the only way to have sex is put a penis inside a vagina and then that's it. You know, we, we need to be teaching sex of all types and all capacities and all genitals and all things and sex without genitals as well because kissing and touching and stroking and all these things that we can do that have very little to do with a penis or a vagina in any sense, you know, we, 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 we're really doing both men and women a disservice with, with the way that we teach them about sex and relationships and what they should expect and what they should, you know, and, and, and what, what, what respect is and what um, pleasure is, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, if like, you know, it's like those memes that go around when people talk about, you know, when, when men say, well, how do, how do lesbians have sex if they don't have a penis? And I just think, oh my God, if these men, if that, if that's the only way they think that they can have good sex and they're probably having really bad sex. And I feel sorry for the women they're having sex with, if that's the only way they think that they can have sex, you know, I think, and that's partly what I talk about in the book as well. When we talk about virginity, what is virginity? If you're just looking at a penis going in a vagina, then there are million lesbians out there that will fight to the death that they are not virgins but they've never had a penis near them and if you're talking about the breaking of a hymen or whatever which is which is such a weird because people think of this hymen as a seal that kind of gets popped like a balloon and that's not the case at all. I mean the hymen itself is full of holes and full of everything and you're probably more likely to break it at 12 years old riding a bike than you ever will having sex you know it's there is there is no actual um, real way that you can measure virginity um, and yet we use it as this litmus test for respect and for you know um, treating people one way or the other and yet it doesn't actually exist it's it's something that's been made up to control women basically to say you are a good woman or a bad woman because you have done certain activities in your life and really I think really the only activities that really should put you into a good or bad category is, you know, murder and, you know, sexual abuse and those sort of things that actually make you a bad person rather than you stuck something inside you and had an orgasm. I, I don't see the, the correlation between pleasure and shame and badness. But then, you know, that's I'm, I'm a very lucky person that I've had a great life full of pleasure and full of respect and full of all sorts of great and I want to pass that on to others I have to admit we're talking about you know <laughs> unexpected areas of ignorance uh like not knowing that the urethra is a different opening to the vagina the hymen was one yeah. I was so misinformed about in the past and I'm going to say it's because, yeah, we all uh, for centuries I'm going to call it literature um described the hymen as basically like a fucking cling wrap seal that got broken yeah. and the woman bled the first time they had penetrative sex. And that's absolutely factually untrue, but it was the dominant narrative in uh, erotic writing for centuries. And it's bizarre how not real that is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a great measure of that. You know, it's like the holding up the sheet at the on the wedding night to show the blood to prove that your wife mm. was a virgin that they used to do back in the days, you know. And I just think, you know, there is so much 
misinformation about women's bodies and the way that they are that no we can't win you know because this you know the, the men in charge have been told well this is how it happens and because for the majority that's not how it happens we're on the back foot from the start mm. you're a whore because you didn't bleed on your wedding night but yeah. that's because you rode horses your whole life up until you were, you know, still right. You know, like it just, it's so, um, it's frightening how history has has gone in this way from, you know, and it's, I mean, it's sort of pre-Christian but not really. Most of this real kind of bad stuff about pleasure and sex and women's bodies came with the invent of, of Christianity and the control of, of, um, of women in that sort of sense because in times, Previous to that, in the Roman times and ancient Sumerian times, even the Vikings, you know, they had these really interesting relationships between men and women and they look at the differences because there are differences but not necessarily the differences that we look at nowadays, you know. Like in the Vikings, the, the women kind of had control of all the money and they had control of all the sex. If they didn't get enough sex from your husband, you know, you could divorce him. It was a different sort of things like that. You know, there were all sorts of different way and, and whether or not they were right or wrong we the the equality of power um and and i guess um community power that came from both men and women really was was strong in diff in 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 different ways so in your pagan religions women knew the herbs and the writings and they knew the the healings and the way to and the birthing and the life and all that and yeah men knew the hunting and they knew the the big strong stuff and all that but there was an equality there um, and there was a kind of balance there, whereas as soon as you get these kind of Christian religions that come in and, and talk about the God and the, the power of um, one entity rather than nature and rather than the balance of life itself as, as an earth thing, that's when you start having these real kind of controlling issues of, of women's bodies and, and the fear of women's bodies and the fear of women's intelligence where it gets to the point where we start burning witches and locking women up in, in towers for, for knowing more about stuff than a man. And, yeah, it's... Um, and we're we're thousands of years into that now, and it's taking a lot to extrapolate ourselves. And and uh, it's it's tricky because we can't, you know, when you've got men in power like Donald Trump, you know, it's really hard, you know, to to break down those barriers that we've been trying to fight for for centuries. And yeah. these walls go suddenly back up again with with men like him in power, and it's scary. Same with Scott Morrison here. You know, we all need a Jacinda and a Justin. I think in our lives, and one day, hopefully, some of them, some of us will get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was interesting. As soon as you brought up Vikings, you just had me thinking about the TV series Vikings. And yeah. every time I look up something that happens in that show, and I'm going, really? They're going, yes. The historical records say yeah. that. Whether it's fundamental stuff like when um, Ragnar led them to sack Paris and I'm going did that happen and I looked it up and I go, yeah Vikings led by a guy called Ragnar Lothbrook sacked Paris and I had no idea but the sexuality thing um my two favorite bits and I think it was in the first or maybe second season uh Ragnar and his wife would they they kidnap that monk he's their slave but they both like him and he's chained in their hut and they're having sex and they just look across at him going, you want to join in, big guy? Because they both find him attractive. And this English monk is sitting there in chains going, what now? <laughs> and there's also one with the the, the kids, their, their oldest kid who in the first season is like five to eight years old. And um, 
someone says, where's your dad? Uh, where's your mum and dad? And he goes, they're having sex. <laughs> like the, the absolute lack of shame in it was yeah and i look yeah. it up and go like no according to the writings that was viking culture yeah yeah and you know the romans were very similar in their sort of hedonistic ways of orgies and pleasure of food and pleasure of art and pleasure of music and pleasure of the body you know everything was sort of about the pleasure side of it and i know and i get it you know in a sort of broad sense with christianity you if you create fear and shame, then you can control people. Fear of hell, we can tell you how to avoid hell, come to us. We can tell you how to avoid all these bad things that are gonna to happen to you. But how you convince an entire population of people that everything that feels good is actually bad for them, I will never understand how that kind of, you know, to me, I would have been right up there with the protests, like, no, but it feels good. And mm. we've been doing it for centuries and none of us have ever gone to hell. Like I don't sort of, you know, that that power of, of the word of God is something that I will never quite understand how it's, you know, permeated thousands and thousands of years of, of our history into such control over human the human condition and, and what we we can sort of do as, as humans and pleasurable creatures, you know. We're not allowed to eat to excess or drink to excess or or fuck to excess or any of this because it's bad in the name of of god and i just think well no i think you, should, you know there are there are um you know tenants and and um yeah, benefits to to um moderation you know in in that sort of way you don't want to drink too much or eat too much because you'll be sick or you'll you know whatever but that denying oneself pleasure or punishing oneself for feeling pleasure, like some of those full-on, you know, the the monks that whip themselves and wear chastity hooked devices with spikes inside them, you know, for other, you know, because they're punishing themselves for these thoughts of pleasure. God, that does warped things. No wonder the Catholic Church is so fucked up and so weird about sex and so horribly off when it comes to sex and sexuality and the things they do to little boys and oh my all of this I just think oh my god let your priests get married let them be gay let them have a wank let them do whatever you will probably have avoided centuries of rape and abuse um and you know and even just you know even if it's not sexual violence the violence of beating up young children in in orphanages and all that you know I think because they were so denied their own pleasure and denied their own um freedom to express that that pents itself up and does weird things to people and i think the catholic church is the biggest example of of what repressed sexuality and what repressed pleasure does does to a brain yeah i think you're right and um yeah just the denial when you were bringing up like puritan religions i remember reading there's a everyone's always talking about uh sleep patterns and what's healthy sleep and uh i was reading this article that said uh I think it was 1700s, 1800s, and they were talking about a particular uh, part in America that traditionally people would actually actually wake up in the middle of the night, like it wasn't one long continuous sleep. And mm. the way they phrased it is like, you know, like a married couple uh, would wake in the middle of the night for an hour or so, uh, and and they would pray. And I'm going, yeah, that's what happened. That's that's what happened. Yeah. You woke up in the middle of the night. It's pitch dark. There's nothing to that's do. That's what I call talking to God too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that type of praying. <laughs> oh God. Oh Jesus. Yes, God. Yeah. Yes, God. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. 
It's horrible. It's the random denial of sexuality is really, really quite weird. Yeah, it is. And you know, I mean, it's it comes down to control and and mm. fear mongering, and so you can keep people in their place. Um, but I also think if people are having a good time and enjoying themselves, they're also willing to do other things. You know what I mean? Like this happy people, you know, as you look at look at Richard Branson and the way he talks about how he runs businesses and the way that he, you know, and when you talk about, you know, the customer is always right and he's like, no, 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 your staff is what comes first, your people and the business and you look after those people and the rest follows. And I think that's the same in sort of a broader sense of life. If people are happy and enjoying life and and enjoying each other and respecting each other, well, there's going to be less tension and there's going to be less hate and there's going to be less bigotry and there's going to be less of all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and I just, you see it in certain, looking at in, in the anthropological sense of humans and tribes and all that sort of stuff, and you see the, the cultures that were, <clears throat> pardon me, that were big on, on sexual pleasure and, and, and celebrating that. And they're very peaceful tribes and they're very peaceful people and communities because they're too busy fucking and having fun and enjoying themselves to worry about taking over territory or or fighting another tribe or something. And if they do have those conflicts, they usually were 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 more to do with um, you know, very rarely to do with with hate and anger and bigotry. Um, and most of these places they would marry into to, to, to create um, property um, and, and land. The, the chief's daughter would marry the other chief's son or they'd marry or whatever. And there were, so they'd create these larger communities rather than warring other sides. Um, and then that makes you stronger as, as a community or an island or a, or a nation as well. And, and I just, I don't know, I think we just need to fuck more and eat more and drink more and enjoy ourselves more. Um, and let go of of shame of all of these things because we're we are we are ultimately I keep saying but we are ultimately creatures of of pleasure and indulgence and while I do believe in moderation of these things that's what drives us as as humans um, not not destruction not hatred not controlling and yet the one the powers that are in charge take their pleasure from controlling other people and and we have to live by their words of pleasure rather than our own kind of smaller bits of it, which is, you know, orgasms and chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's even, uh, that's in 1984, the reason the party repressed sexuality and women were indoctrinated that the only time you have sex is out of duty to the party. And as I say, because after really good sex, you don't give a fuck about anything. Mm. Uh, and that's not the population the party wants in 1984. They want yeah. paranoid, repressed, always fearful population. And if Although, they're happy... You know, if you look at it on another scale, you know, and I'm going to kind of almost disagree with myself here. If you look at um, Brave New World, which is very similar kind of story, but on another mm. side, they keep their population, for the most part, the alphas and the betas anyway, are drugged up and sexed up and loved up. They're, they're completely infertile, so there's no worry about 
reproduction or, or babies getting in the way. Their babies are all made in labs and all that stuff. But the, you know, the soma, the drug that they all take, which is pretty much MDMA from what I can see of MDMA and what I've read of soma in, in, in Brave New World, they're, they keep the control, I guess, by keeping the people almost happy. So it's a slightly different way, you know. Even the gammas are happy being gammas because that's what they've been conditioned to be happy in. I'm happy being a worker, I'm happy being this, and they've got that kind of sense of com- of contentment and pleasure within their own sort of social groups, but they're pretty much always fucked on drugs or having sex, which is why when, the, when John Savage comes into the town and he's come from a place where, you know, the pleasure and the thing is all is not... Can, uh, is is not I guess um, chemically induced and and everything. He can't understand why they're all stoned all the time and mm. why they just want to live in days of all this and they and you know and in the end you know he he ends up you know leaving the world because he can't handle it. Um, but there is that idea of you know that that control of masses, you know yeah. whether or not you're keeping them stupid or you're keeping them frightened. Yeah. You know, because and I think the problem, the difference, or the the similarity in that is the control is the fact that it's it's sanctioned by the it's it's created and and forced by the government rather than you're given your own choice to to indulge if you want or not. Because yeah. isn't it in, in Brave New World the guy he can't quite understand why she's always wanting to take the soma and go to the feelies and and all that he'd rather have a conversation and rather be, um, you know, I guess. Uh, in the moment rather than out of the moment. Um, but, yeah, control of the masses to keep them in line with what the government wants them to do is is a big thing. Yeah, 1984 is controlled by repression and Brave New World is controlled with distraction. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. A, a, a yeah, fake that's... happiness and a fake fulfilment to keep yeah. the population placated. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's so you know. I mean, I read those books when I was fifteen, and I you like you say we can take stuff out of that in our daily life, and they were supposed to be warnings. You know, they were supposed to be kind of yeah, they weren't instruction manuals. They yeah. they were hey, this could happen if we go in this way, and just you look at Trump with his fake news and his you know the the censoring of certain news stories that come out of the world and and all that sort of stuff in 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 our own country even in australia and and the censoring of the stuff that's happening on manus and nauru with all the refugees out there that are sick and dying and being tortured and we we don't hear a word about it about the major stuff we only get the small sort of amount of it this this um taking away our knowledge of what's going on in the world around us is this form of of control of the masses and our and we, we've kind of got a, a kind of blend of, you know, we'll keep you happy and and placated with your alcohol and your reality TV and all that, but we'll also repress you and not give you the proper news and not give you the proper stuff like they do in 84. And it's just we, we have this odd dystopian future that we're living in that, I, that, that like, little optimistic me in the 90s really didn't see coming. And I don't think a lot of us did. I think we really thought the future was going to be lovely in the 90s. Um, and then I have to talk to my daughter about the, the conversations that her friends have in there. So she's grade 10. So she's in that kind of, you know, social um, up and coming, you know, young adults of the world. And they're all, they're very pessimistic about, mm. about the future and about whereas we all thought that we would have no wars and we would have no um 
you know, awful stuff happening and we would be this great, free, wonderful country full of, you know, love and everything. And and then, you know, John Howard kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> And and you know the the world got dark with nine eleven and things like that sort of stuff and that was such a great excuse for the world governments to continue to oppress us and I have great thoughts on nine eleven I won't go into them because <laughs> I, you know, I'm not I'm not totally you know jet fuel can't melt melt steel beams kind of person but I'm definitely a that was a very interesting timing of a of a world event that has created the world that we currently live in with the controls that we have put on us as citizens and and censorship and things like that i think it was it's interesting <laughs> but but don't 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 go sending me conspiracy videos please because <laughs> I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole and i'll never come out okay well i think well that's about an hour i think which i think is a good Yay. length for our podcasting um so i'm going to end uh i think on, on a positive note getting back to your book uh because i did see uh mega leech ask hey a teen girl's guide to getting off how could somebody get maybe a signed copy of it well you know if you would really like a signed copy the best thing to do would be to um order one um and then send it to me once you've received it um and you can order them off either amazon um you can get them from my publisher at labouche books or trenwick house publishing um, but I'm quite happy to sign copies. I don't have a lot of copies on on me, so I can't do the signing. Um, like I don't get the orders myself. They get sent to the publisher and then the publisher sends them out. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, I might see if I can talk to the publisher about maybe me getting a bunch of signed copies that they, if they, we could put a caveat on the, you know, you, a discount code or whatever, right, signed or something, and we can work out a way to get a signed copy to people because I do get asked that a lot. And the way that we've been doing it so far is that people buy a copy and then email me. I send them my postal address and then they send it to me. I sign it and then send it back. It is a bit of a process, mm. but it's a, it's a good way to get it. Um, or hopefully I'll be doing some more uh, book readings and signings um, once the new edition hopefully comes out, once I get off my ass and finish it. And then you could always come along to one of those and I'd sign it as well. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of possibly coordinating that, you have a public page on Facebook as well? I do, I yes, yes. So there's two different ones. There's the actual book page, which is just a teen girl's guide to getting off, um, and that's the one that's most active. And then there's my author page, which is Eva Sless, but I don't use that one as much because most of the stuff I do I just put on teen girls. Okay. So just, yeah, uh, <laughs> if you want to try and coordinate. So if you were to like contact if you want to yeah yeah i'll like get on the publisher this week and we'll work something out yeah cool 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 sorry so yeah just telling people yeah, if they want to coordinate with you go to facebook uh look up yeah. teen girls guide to getting off and look i feel like uh, we had uh exceptional fun uh chatting today and we're going to do it again yeah yeah let's make this a regular thing because i miss it and i miss you and i miss all of you guys listening and watching and i and i still get the comments that you guys put on some of the videos that i've put on my youtube and i and i look through um andrew's feed quite a lot and see the stuff and i'm like oh people still remember me and that's really nice so yeah i'd love to do this more let's do it okay so you will be seeing hearing us again uh and i hope you've enjoyed uh, seeing or hearing us now whichever medium you're uh, uh enjoying this through uh and but for now we'll say 
goodbye to all you wonderful people. Bye. Yeah, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.